0: This episode We'll be talking about The Replacements. Let It Be in the room. I have Rob, hi guy, and
1: so excited.
0: And on the line, I have Kyle. You all, everybody. Let <laughs> It Be is the third studio album by the American rock band The Replacements. It was released on October 2nd, 1984, by Twin Tone Records. The producer was Steve Felstad, uh, Peter. Jefferson, and Paul Westerberg, and the genre is post-punk, indie rock, alternative rock, I'm going to read from All Our Music Review, Stephen Thomas Irvine. Let It Be looms large among 80s rock albums, generally regarded as one of the greatest rock albums of the decade. So large is its legend, and so universal its acclaim, that all the praise tends to be given to the impression that The Replacement's fourth album was designed as a major statement, intended to be something important when It's genius, like so many things involving the mats, feels accidental. Compared to other underground landmarks from 1984, Let It Be feels small-scale as it lacks the grand, sprawling ambition of the Minutemen's double nickels on the dime, or if the other side of the Atlantic is taken into the equation, the clean sense of purpose of the Smiths. Nothing about Let It Be is clean, it's all a ragged mess, careening wildly from dirty jokes to w- wounded ballads, from utter throwaways to songs haunting in their power. Unlike other classics, Let It Be needs those throwaways. That Kiss cover, those songs about Tommy getting his tonsils out and Gary's boner, that ran about phony rock and roll to lighten the mood and to give the album its breathless pacing but also because without these asides, the album wouldn't be true to the replacements who never separated high and low culture, who celebrated pure junk and uh, reluctantly bared their soul. This blend of bluster and vulnerability is why the replacements were perhaps the most beloved band of their era as they captured all the chaos and confusion of coming of age in the midst of Reaganomics and Let It Be is nothing if not a coming of age album perched precisely between adolescence and adulthood. There's just enough angst and tastelessness to have the album speak to teenagers of all generations and just enough complicated emotion to make this music resonate with listeners long past those awkward years, whether they grew up with this album or not all right what do we think of the replacements let it be
2: i think that we all need to put our paws in <laughs> virtually kyle as well just everybody put their paw in and we go let's shoot for the middle and then we say <laughs> where and then we say the very <laughs> middle and then we do it like that because that was the replacements motto right before they went on stage yeah <laughs> they just <laughs> they what
3: they were never trying to excel I've never heard this album until a week ago.
1: Holy you're, shit, Kyle! I'm so happy you're <laughs> oh here my with us God. now.
3: records I've ever heard in my whole life. It's it's transformative. I've to it seven times since. <laughs> I can't get enough. Yeah,
1: it's incredible. And so, like, this album found me when I was I was in high school, and I got it from the library because the library? it was called Let It Be. I used to work at the library. Uh-oh. Be shocked, <laughs> and I was like let it be that's so ballsy what does this sound like and it sounded fucking perfect and beautiful and like so exactly right for everything i felt it was beautiful and i love it sorry kyle what were you saying so you only heard it this week
3: yeah i did but um honestly that was really interesting and because i was curious if this it's a very specific perspective of mm-hmm. this right sure. it's um it's it's teenage male coming of age So it's really cool to get your perspective on it, because, you know, Gary's got a boner. (laughs) Like, it's...
1: You think I haven't had boners, Kyle?
3: (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) The lady boner is real, Kyle.
1: It's not as visible if it's unexpected, right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I would like someone else to speak for a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I found the replacements a little bit later. Um, I think I worked backwards because they were such a... Uh, respected bands, and every band would mention them, right? Mm -hmm. So you have uh, Pavement or whatever, Sonic Youth, all all these other 80s alternative bands, 90s alternative bands, even 2000s, everybody always says replacements. Of course, they're replacements. And they just became this almost staple of the slacker, right? The iconic slacker, Beck, was a big fan. So they almost have this, it's almost an idealism of... Of what it is to be in a band and to just play shows. And well, if we make it, we make it. If we don't, we don't. I mean, that's the replacements in a nutshell is just, we're going to do this and this is what we like to do.
2: A complete
0: fear of success. Right.
2: And self sabotage to make sure they never got there.
0: Yeah. I mean, when major labels came to CBGB's and right, you know, right as this album was hitting, they played like, Two Rolling Stone covers and yeah. said, Do we get a record contract yeah. drunk? <laughs> drunkenly,
2: antagonistic, right? Wasted.
0: Yeah. Antagonistically, yes.
1: That's
3: why that kiss cover's on here, right? Yeah.
1: It is. They said it's so they like they intentionally played covers you weren't supposed to play at a punk show because like they were rebelling against all rules. Yeah. Like, fuck
2: the rules, man.
1: Yeah. Which is great. And
2: the, and if you want if it was a uh, if it was a crowd where they knew they would be welcome, they would play the shittiest set possible. And if it was a crowd where they had to like they're like, oh, shit, they're going to murder us or "Oh, they're going to hate this. They'd play the best fucking show you've ever seen in your entire life. Like they, they were <laughs> <laughs>
0: they were just assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if i would have ever wanted to see them <laughs>
2: apparently you could see 20 of their shows and find something truly brilliant in each one like okay. separate from 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 what was going on like they they were just that good even when they were bad they were great
0: yeah
3: i was just going to say my only uh experience with like westerberg was the single soundtrack he had like two solo songs mm-hmm. on
0: that yeah, yeah.
3: I was like, cool, and then he did some stuff of Queens of the Stone Age, and I was like, oh, it's that guy from Singles.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did not know he was.
3: Oh, he loved I, to hear I, that. I would have uh, given a an, an earlier day in court. This but, record is yeah. astonishing. Yeah, buddy, I, I used to play
2: this on on like the later Sump Humps tours, like this and Hootenanny, like we're pretty consistent, like with within our of War. Uh, Whatever the fuck else we had on the iPod for the tours. Yeah, it would have um, been when
3: you were. I was playing like Genesis Abacab, and you're like, "This sucks." No, so it was a-
2: no that, that was uh, a that, 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 was,
3: that was a good six years
2: beforehand. This is when I ha- when I had the van <laughs> I was driving. We listened to
0: things. Maybe you had headphones in. I found it interesting too that they they said when they got to a show. Obviously, when you get to a show, it's like you have nothing to do, right? You show up to the venue, you do sound check or whatever, then you have nothing to do. Uh, many bands will indulge themselves in <laughs> many drinks. Mm-hmm. The replacements were definitely the band to do that. They said, yeah, we would go to the show, we'd get shit face and then try to sober up to play. Yeah, that's <laughs> Like uh... that was their routine is they would just get blackout drunk, and then just see how sober they got by the time they were to go on.
2: You were uh, just quoting the, uh, the the line from the last song on Hootenanny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> First thing we do when we finally roll up,
3: get shit face drunk, try to sober up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, this album is new to me, but a lot of things clicked into place. That's so good. It's so good.
2: Fucking androgynous in our yeah. in our cans right now. This is yeah. such a beautiful little uh, piano ditty and intentionally fucked up at the end because they can't ever just make a nice thing. Yeah.
1: It Wait, what?
2: Like the end of androgynous, where it was like boom, bang. Boom,
1: oh well, yeah. Blink. That's part of what it is. Yeah.
3: <laughs> like achingly beautiful song. I'm sorry, I just, love the so Yeah, much.
1: I cried this whole album all the time. <laughs> <It's> so pretty. <laughs> I don't know I just love it yeah I think I also like at that age especially I have felt that there were rules about how I couldn't listen to like you know how old were you easy music I like I was what like 16 maybe 17
2: 95 96
1: no like 2000 something I was born in
2: I don't, know just how recorded. Time works. Yeah. I don't know how time works. <laughs>
1: I graduated from high school in 2003. <laughs> All right, yeah. I was going the, the other direction where you are
2: as me. <laughs> my bad. It's okay.
1: <laughs> no, it's okay. It's just like I feel like this album was like my secret permission to like something that was more nuanced and expressed emotion in a different way than I was like most of the music that I listened to at the time too. I mean, yeah.
2: Westerberg is a fucking poet. Yeah, and I mean, makes you feel things with his voice.
1: It's weird. He's a wonderful musician. Yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah, you can
3: tell, like, Androgynous is just such an achingly beautiful, raw song. And then they followed up with a Kiss cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a cover that
2: absolutely elevates the source material. This oh, like, this it's is much a better. Much better version. I did
1: them back to, to back. Diamond. It's no contest. <laughs> like.
0: Yeah. Even though I think Gene, Gene Simmons saw it one time and walked out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's fine. That's on the, the list.
0: From Black Diamond to Unsatisfied. And it's oh my like, God, Unsatisfied. The, so good. One of the
3: best. Like, uh oh, guys, I never heard that song before. Like a week ago. <laughs> oh
0: my God.
3: God. <laughs> Are you just I laying
2: on that. the ground going, why?
3: <laughs> why?
2: A lot of the bands that we're going to be covering, uh, Birch has the book open. Uh, there's um, Michael Azarad's uh, Our Band Could Be Your Life, uh, which is the indie underground from, I think, about 79 to... Yeah, that's the dude who wrote the
0: Nirvana book. 81-91. 81-91. Um,
2: and I would go through, in each chapter, I would listen to the entirety of the band's catalog while I was doing it, and uh, replacements just stuck out. Like, they... they, they And they... My 27-year-old brain just like... Like, yeah. like popped on that. Like it's. Yeah.
1: Uh, I got that book from the library and only read the chapter on the replacements.
2: <laughs> you can you can you, you, you can kind of skip over the Calvin Johnson stuff if you want to, uh, but there I are mean, some I good stories. I was a bratty
1: kid, but I was just like, I'm just reading this chapter. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I, I I have two. I have this one, and I have another like replacements book. But the other replacements book is just all anecdotes from people who are around them plus occasionally like the uh the band members themselves Mm -hmm. just told in like little paragraph story forms you can borrow it if you'd like yeah Um, i
1: would that sounds great
0: (laughs) yeah but yeah yeah unsatisfied on right now this I, i was thinking about it this week about what where does this come from a lot of it had to do with their uh, Peter Jefferson, their manager who introduced them and kind of got them more into Beatles, Bowie, Big Star, mm-hmm. um, which makes a lot of sense um, because all I mean, the
2: little children scream for Alex Chilton.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, hearing that he was he was, a you know, local DJ and he kind of got them. Uh, they could come over and listen to records. It, it kind of clicked for me, you know. They're a punk band. They're doing some hardcore. They're doing the punk thing, and then something turned for them that they they decided we don't want to do what everybody else is doing. We want to do our own thing. And yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, Hootenanny is a little more ruckus, a little more. Uh, what would you say? Some more
1: straightforward. Straightforward.
0: Yeah. Uh, but this, I mean, this brings in a lot of elements with this. But what I was going to say about Unsatisfied is the the singing on this you don't really hear that achingly you know almost shouting singing with the acoustic guitar before before around this time i know others have probably done it but this is this song really always stuck out to me because it was sort of that that first iteration of that and i feel like someone like kurt cobain that was recognized oh, sure. for, for that later on and this is 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 one of the you know, beginnings of of that that sort of almost raw shouting that that you hear in his his voice of crackling and mm-hmm. over this beautiful you know melody of a almost yeah. country pop song. It's yeah. great.
1: There's definitely yeah. some country.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Kyle can't mm-hmm. get over it. <laughs>
2: it's one of the most <laughs> earnest, like depressed angst
0: like songs <laughs> ever, it's ever so recorded. It's a hundred times more like. Punk than Of course, yeah. So many other of the like quote unquote punk songs. It's, it's actual
1: nihilism. <laughs> like so it's, it's past crazy. nihilism. That's why it's post-punk, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's real. It's
0: about real stuff.
2: Like
1: yeah.
2: it's Midwest to its fucking core. Mm-hmm. Like
1: it's pretty Midwestern. Th-
2: yeah. This is this th- I don't know if this could exist on like either one of the coasts. Like th- this is a this is a homebrew, I think. I don't
1: know. I could, yeah, I see what you mean. I, I think that's, Ooh. it's definitely in there.
3: I mean, you can you can tell that Paul Westerberg's kind of guarded, you know? This is super raw, but like I said, they sequence, like, these two super raw songs, you know, with a Kiss cover between them just to piss off the punks, you know? It's like, I don't know. Like, this album hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's like when they're when they're not talking about someone who has in the band who has a boner, he's literally burying his soul. Yeah. It's like yeah. you you don't get the the let's just write a song because you know, like it's 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 either a goof or it's like the darkness. Yeah. It's so crazy <laughs> to have like not an in between. The contrast
1: it, is really striking and yeah. it helps like convey how like deeply felt the emotional songs are better, right? Yeah, because you're sing- you're speaking that into this context where that's not necessarily accepted or as common, right? Right. Like, it's really great.
3: I did think of you, Birch, because you don't like coming of age stuff.
1: <laughs> that's true. I didn't no, even think about that.
3: <laughs> that's not true.
1: <laughs> Only I, Italian coming of age films. <laughs> Is that? It? I'm
0: tired of Italian <laughs> 1960s Italian coming of age stories. It's been done. We all know it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. There's so many of those Italian coming-of-age stories. So many. The only hundreds. Italian
2: coming-of-age stories that I know of are uh, the uh, <clears throat> good, the bad, and the ugly um, no. fistful of dollars and for a few dollars more. Those are
1: coming-of-age stories. Aren't they, though? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we're,
2: we're listening to a senior video right now. Um, this gives me a lot of, uh like... Kind of surfy Man or
3: Man feels oh, yeah. to it.
1: Yeah. It's a little surfy. Oh, this is one that has, like, the
3: two and a half minute intro before he just starts going crazy about MTV.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Senior video. It is. For a second, I was like, this has words, right? Like, I was like, yeah. is there an interlude that I, like,
3: didn't... <laughs>
2: Not that many, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Senior video.
2: We don't want to mm. know. Phony rock and roll. Well,
1: When there's a word Senior for video. that, I learned recently on, like, WXOX, like, there's a song and then there's, like, a response to the song. Like, that's, like, a tradition in like old rock and roll. Mm. I can't remember what, I wish Jackson was here. <laughs> like, yeah. um, But there's like a, a tradition of doing that, often like from the man's perspective and the woman's, but it's like definitely like senior video is feels like a response to like um, all that culture. And I know I Will Dare was a response to U2's I Will Follow. I don't know if anyone else read that, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I listened to them together and that made sense to me too. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's cool. Like it makes sense.
2: That solo uh, guitar solo was done by yeah yeah there it is guitar solo by Peter Buck right. Can I read you a a fun uh, excerpt from Steve Albini about this record?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: Cool? This is a sad pathetic end to a long downhill slide. Full stop. The replacements are a little more than four guys trying to be their press releases. What their press releases said they were. Self consciously gut wrenching in its driving uh, sensitivity and pathos, this record is irretrievably lost in the uh, maudlin cabaret of Westerberg's folk music blatherings. The jokes aren't jokes, they're copies of jokes pulled off for effect. I hate it. Except I Will Dare, which for some reason rings truer than the rest of this. I used to love these guys, now I hate this guy.
1: (laughs) What the shit is happening? Calm down, dude. Jesus. <laughs> to be fair.
2: I mean, Steve Albini has a lot of opinions. I mean, oh, he, yeah. he's an opinion individual. Uh, Kyle, if you go back through their catalog, uh from uh, sorry, Ma to Stink to Hoot Nanny, this is a departure. Mm-hmm. This is a it's solid sort of red, yeah. solid line in, line in the sand departure. Um, like I said before, I'm more of a hoot nanny uh practitioner i love this fucking record i love tim i I celebrate the whole catalog Mm -hmm. um yeah
1: westerberg said this was the first album that they arranged which i think is like kind of the perfect Mm -hmm. encapsulation of it right
3: i knew westerberg from a few things but looking at his wikipedia page like he's been a busy boy there's a lot of stuff on
1: there yeah
3: they made a lot of interesting things anybody else see these guys No. no No, have you? Um, yeah, they uh
2: they played louder than life. I was working the taco truck and I, I jumped ship to go uh go see them. Um, the drummer was Josh Freeze, uh, of course, was, yeah, yeah, Tom Tommy Stinson, uh, Paul Westerberg, uh, <laughs> Billy uh, Joe from uh, Green Day was the other guitarist. <laughs> um, and it was it was fucking amazing, it was a train wreck. It was wonderful seeing Josh Frees uh, or Josh Freese, uh like face on a large screen while Westerberg's going off from where he should be and watching the drummer kind of panic and try to figure out where things are supposed to land because they were they were still just a fucking sloppy mess. I mean, sometimes sometimes not, uh, but it was it was incredible. I would one hundred percent say go see whatever version of this band still exists. Yeah, like I I, I waited.
1: I knew they were coming, and I was like. Do I wanna pay and then it just be like really, really just bad gotta, and be so sad about it? Just gonna jump like, on
2: that taco truck.
1: I yeah, I guess I should have done that. I didn't even think about it. Just gotta,
2: <laughs> gotta, gotta put your couple hours in on that truck. <laughs> Go see some I saw him, I saw them and Dwight Yokum on the uh, hmm. the same day. Pretty cool. alright. Yeah. Miles, miles. Yeah, Dwight Yoakum still uh closes with uh, Suspicious Minds. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, anybody I wanna talk about Pappy the Clown. Um I would love you to. I have <laughs> I would love you two if they were any good.
0: (laughs) I would love you, Birch, to talk about Pappy the Clown. So, uh, apparently, I mean, they... I mean, the replacements, again, adopted a loser persona to insulate themselves against failure. Mm -hmm. That's what they did. They... Shoot shoot for the middle, man. Shoot for the middle. Uh, But apparently, you know, people took that in different directions, right? So, Paul Westerberg, drunk... Bob, mean drunk. A real bad drunk. Bad drunk. Um, so, Chris, who's the drummer, Chris Mars, he decides to create a persona called Pappy the Clown, where he would just wander off and dress up like a clown and then show up to play the shows as a clown. <laughs> what the hell are you <laughs> talking about? Hammered. Hammered. <laughs> Fucking
3: shit hammered. Yes. Yeah. It sounds like something James would do.
0: Yeah, (laughs) honestly.
1: That's one of the things I like about James.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he would just (laughs) pretend to be a clown who was playing a show. That was his way of dealing with the situation. That was his way of dealing with it, yeah. So everybody just had their own way of fighting each other in the band.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah. It didn't sound like the most loving environment
0: <laughs> no no they were
1: but
2: uh 16 blue though was written by westerberg for tommy stinson
1: mm. oh.
2: this is uh this is a song about tommy's dealing with being i mean shit he was i guess he was just turning 16 yeah like, when this uh, when this record was done yeah so he, had, young. he had dropped out of uh his sophomore year of high school or 10th grade and uh to tour with everybody i think uh Jeps jeffs Jepson uh had to be a legal guardian yeah, he was a legal guardian for tommy mm-hmm. like when they were uh on tour
0: yeah and he resisted drinking and doing that for a while but as long as he could but um, obviously oh nah, man replacements uh, are a mess
2: yeah my my the the stuff i took from the the couple of books i have on them uh They didn't have much to say during this period, but like the the sadder parts afterwards, I'm going to read a couple of little things. Uh, So Bob Stinson, after a court-ordered 30-day rehab program, he'd been dry for about three weeks, showed up for the last gig of a five-night stand they had at the 7th Street um, entry, which is, I think, in Minneapolis in the summer of 86. Uh, Paul came over with a bottle of champagne and said to Bob— Either take a drink, motherfucker, or get off my stage. Jesus. And Bob was a bad, bad, bad drunk. And, well, he's uh still on that st- diet yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he he OD'd in '95. Right. Uh, but Simpson's then wife, Caroline, said it was the first time she'd seen Bob cry. And then Westerberg kicked him out of the band two weeks later. Um, a- after the, yeah. yeah no, it, it gets brutal. Um,
1: he died of organ failure related to okay. substance abuse. But yeah.
2: The, uh, the book I read was possible. Possible OD, Okay. but
1: I mean it's hard. That's like parsing yeah, sadness. I, 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 who, it doesn't it, really it, matter. He, <laughs> yeah. he,
2: he was he was a bad drunk. So if like sometimes they just wander off. If Westerberg wandered off, he'd be at a bar. If Bob wandered off, he'd have a six pack sitting on a train trestle, like because that's where he would go. Um, an early eighty seven separate thing when they were like it was just uh Tommy and uh, and Paul just coked out of their brains. <laughs> Uh, after hearing that uh, Twin Tone was going to release their stuff, uh, their back catalog on CD, which they hated. They hated CD as a format. They crafted this beautiful idea of going into uh, like the Minneapolis Recording Studio where the masters were kept. Uh, because people knew who the replacements were, they just let them in. And so they went in, grabbed all of the masters they could, drove out to the Mississippi River and threw them in.
1: <laughs> to make sure
2: that they, this wouldn't you know that they would never be like uh, you know put onto CD. Uh, but it turned out that those masters were the backup masters <laughs> and not the actual masters. So yeah, they, they they got sorry Ma, they got stink, they got Tim, they they got Hoot Nanny, they got let it be and they threw all that shit in the Mississippi River on a Coke binge because they didn't want to be on CD. That's <laughs> Do
1: what real. they thought when they That's woke rough. up like were they happy or sad? <laughs> like I can't I can't Maybe
2: tell both. from any of the interviews because the way that Bob Westenberg like like the not either persona or non-persona that he has like the way that he puts forward like earnestness like it seems like they just don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. They would have been happy if nothing had ever happened for them or they would have been happy if it did, but they made sure that it wouldn't. Kyle, have you looked up their uh, their performance on Saturday Night Live yet?
1: What? No, I read
3: about it. I haven't watched it yet.
1: <laughs> I, I
3: know they're not invited back. Uh, they're not invited
2: back. The uh, yeah, they're the the host that night was Harry Dean Stanton, and they got shit can wasted with Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they I, I think they they may still owe uh, SNL like twenty thousand dollars. Sure, they
0: do. Uh, I do have one. More story, uh, of course, from our band Could Be Your Life. Bob started to realize that drinking was getting out of hand when he first tried to do something about it. The Hootenanny Tour included a big show in L.A. headlining spot at the Palace. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? (laughs) Uh, Bob was really, really pissed off. Uh, Next morning, the door of my hotel room got kicked right off the hinges. Bobby was staying there in a tutu and top hat with a case of Budweiser and a bottle of Jack. Before they went on that night, Bob played his most infamous show at the University of San Diego, dressed only in his underwear. Bob wandered into the school theater, tore down a six-foot curtain, and now he's walking onto stage. Anywhere he walked by a table, a chair, a telephone, <laughs> it would gather it up into the curtain. As he get on stage, he, the thing he drops the curtain the, uh, and the uh, and plays in his underwear, where, where he was hammered but rocking. As they recall, uh, somebody threw a shoe at him. Sullivan continues. Uh, he's playing, playing, and the shoe is coming at him, and he catches it and spins the guitar around, pisses in the shoe, and throws the shoe back, spins the guitar back around, and finishes the solo. What the fuck? There you go. Yeah. Fucking Bob Stinson, That's a show. Yeah,
2: wow. Yeah, the only other thing I got is that Tim very feasibly may have been a Monty Python reference for the album because the other uh the other uh floated ideas were Whistler's Mammy, Van Gogh's ear, or England Schmingland. Some call this album Tim.
0: Amazing. <laughs> uh we often talk about Chrysgal. Chrysgal
1: loved this
0: record. Ra- ranked it second best on his own list in, in the decade in list for the newspaper, named it the 10th best album of the 80s. He later said that, along with X's 1981 album Wild Gift, yep. Let It Be represents the peak of American indie rock.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100% Wild agree.
0: Gift is in that book, yeah. yeah. I just wanted to give the Yalbini impression because I
2: knew how, how much Chris Cal enjoyed it. I know. Um, Favorite tracks? Yeah. Checks? all of them can you pick one unsatisfied Unsatisfied. uh um, answering machine
1: yeah i think mine might be answering machine but it's rough with androgynous and
3: yeah
1: i just don't oh unsatisfied
3: all the way (laughs) it's
1: i'm not saying i don't love that (laughs) one it's why it's a hard question (laughs) i
3: think what like i I feel like, like a I feel like a jabroni for not having listened to this this long, but no,
1: it's okay. What <laughs> it a treat
3: for me! What a treat for me!
1: Yeah, that's that's what's nice about this project too is that there's sometimes there's just things you miss for whatever reason, and then you get to find them, right?
3: I I do need to invent time travel and get this to sixteen year old Kyle. <laughs> so if you guys have any breakthroughs, I need this to is... get this record to sixteen year old <laughs> Kyle urgently.
1: This is the motivation you needed to finally finish the time machine. <laughs> he needs
0: help. <laughs> <laughs> i do always find it really interesting with the replacements for songs like favorite thing and we're coming out how they you think this song is going one way and at the end he just like hits you with a beautiful melody yep. it's it like yeah. every time it gets me i'm like and it's almost like you when you're re-listening to it every time you're like oh i thought this was this song and you're like no it's not oh, wait, it totally is. <laughs> like it, Something about it just kind of fools you because you're thinking...
1: There's a lot of complexity to what's yeah. pulled in, which is different from the previous ones and I think what I like love about it, too. Yeah. like It just has so many different things going on. Oh, we
2: got the cover of 20th Century Boy in our cans yeah. here. Our T Rex. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so good.
0: Yeah, it's simply one of the best. Sounds like we're all in the positive.
1: Yeah. I think so. So, Hootenanny's
0: pretty good too. That's what I'm oh. hearing. Yes.
2: It's my favorite, but other people it's will say. It's more punk, right?
3: It's before this, right? It's,
2: yeah. It is. It's a little, little more on the punk side. Um, if you like this one, you're going to fucking love Tim. Yeah. You're, you're going to yeah. kick yourself in the ass and be like, I need the time machine again. Six months. Yeah, Tim pile. was Otto playing after. after um, one. It kind of falls off with uh, Pleased to Meet Please Me. me and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah the the one that came after it but yeah I mean uh the stuff that Bob was on stops at Tim and then uh okay moves his way back but yeah it's uh, the 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 catalog is worth the uh it's worth the investment it's just fucking great
1: yeah
3: yeah I just want to say thanks guys for let me do this podcast because this album, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so this album.
1: that you've got to have it now though like, yeah man yeah so no great. that's what I'm saying like yeah.
3: What if I died and never heard this album? I'd be such a jerk. <laughs> <This> <laughs> <album's>
1: great. <laughs> Never listen to
0: "Let It Be" by the Replacements that's right. the on your tombstone. On yeah.
1: Everyone laughing at your tombstone every time they walk past it.
2: Well, that's just a tombstone pizza that we make for ourselves. Yeah. Make
0: that, put that, in fake pepperoni across it. <laughs> but it needs to, it needs to say like "Never listen to Let It Be." No, not the Beatles, the Replacements. <laughs> you <the> idiot! <laughs>
2: it's actually two tombstone pizzas going in at the same time.
1: Oh, what a sweet move. Uh, awesome. Beautiful.
3: Yeah. Uh Paul Westerberg thought I Will Do the best song he ever wrote.
1: Yeah. I What's mean
3: I, I I like everything about that song.
1: It's I, wonderful. I, I like
3: the jaunty
2: mandolin.
1: Yeah.
0: It's quite good. It's yeah. quite good. Mm-hmm. You know a song from Tim. I know you do. <gasps> Bastards <laughs> of Young. Bastards
3: of Young. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I like the anti music video they shot for
2: <laughs> That's every music video they ever did. They don't appear in any of them. It might be Paul's foot and a cigarette, but. <laughs> yeah,
3: that, that, that's the only song I ever really knew by the replacements. Yeah. That
0: bastard song. It's a great yeah. one. It's good. Yep. All right, next time we'll be talking about The Style Council, Cafe Blue. I think so.